0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Part two here on a Friday. Stats by Will drops by to talk all things college basketball, as he does at this time every single week. So uh, it was a lot of fun being able to talk all things college basketball with Will. We talked uh, Kimball program ratings, uh, Duke's rise, where Tennessee fell in that. Texas a ms really weak uh, non-conference schedule for this year. Justin Edwards picking uh, Kentucky over Uh, the Vols uh, this week. We talked about Omaha committing to Iowa State, top 10 prospect, and how that all unfolded for the Clones. We talked about UNC bouncing back and where they'll fit in next year. We talked about uh, who the next 30 point score or excuse me 30 60 point score in college basketball because it hasn't happened in a long time so we're curious to see maybe that's something that happens this year so we'll uh talked a lot about that which was really really fascinating but uh yeah all things college basketball at this time every single week uh a lot of fun with will um, so yeah, part two here, uh, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash chase podcast, like, and subscribe all that good stuff. Um, as we continue on this Friday show, if you missed part one, guess what? Right here in your feed, Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever get your podcast, uh, it will be right here. So make sure you subscribe. All right. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas pod, the
1: Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it.
0: All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Thursday evening. Stats by Will is here as he is every single week at this time. We've got Cedric the cat uh, right there in the background, really getting into some <laughs> self-cleaning. It's his birthday. We let Cedric do whatever Cedric Diggory the cat would like to do on his big day. Did you get uh, the cat any gifts today?
1: I mean, we got him more food. So I consider that a gift, but no, we'll get him. I gotta get him another toy, and then I don't know. This could be like a uh, we don't we don't usually give it a ton of treats because they like to watch Mm. the wait, but this could be like a a big treat night for him. Shake out the Temptations bag, really get him going. (laughs) I I don't. I know. So you're a dog owner, so maybe Mm. this doesn't apply. But uh, cat owners who listen to this, uh, read the copy on the back of the Temptations bag sometime Mm -hmm. Uh, because i want to meet the person who wrote the copy because they went nuts Hmm. it is hilarious reading it it's I i i can't recite it by memory i'd have to go grab the bag Mm. but it's like talking about a cat getting a tasty treat and it always ends with like yum 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 or something in all caps and it kills me i have to see i'll have to dig up the bag at some point
0: i like it also how the heck is it bright and sunny where you're at? And it is literally like Dementors are circling my house <laughs> on my end before the storm really breaks. And we live, what, 10 minutes from each other? I don't understand what's happening here.
1: See, it was storming 10 minutes ago here. So. Oh, so it's coming this way. Yeah. So okay. it could be in like five minutes you could hear some real uh, big thunder on your end. Well, least
0: the dog who's also here but not in uh, camera view, will not enjoy that. She's not a, not a big... Uh, storm girl i found Mm. but shout out to cedric and for the good folks on youtube.com slash jason's podcast you can tune in and see cedric uh appearing on this very program it's a where's waldo uh type deal here (laughs) so we're all about it and as always we curse the chinese for inventing (laughs) (laughs) gunpowder.
1: uh i've been thinking all week about the phrase upright on miracle status Mm-hmm. from this latest episode, which is yeah. just one of the most insane things anybody's ever said. But but somehow upped by um, the guy... First off, Eels. Mm-hmm. Eels are his biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Robin being 30 and saying his dream is to play in the NBA. Yes. Which, fair, aren't we all?
2: Mm-hmm. But um, he was
0: still thinking about it. Like, that was something he was like, I, I would like to. I would like to see how I can figure this out. And not and, just and like, that would have uh, been cool 15 years ago.
1: <laughs> the guy Nathan hires who falls asleep after 15 minutes and then begins talking about Sasquatch liaisons oh my God. and the government.
0: I was in tears. That's an underrated part of the episode of like how Nathan, just the monotone, he said he stayed up all night and then 15 minutes into his shift. And then they just pan to him. Just like that dude went to sleep, like on the keyboard. It wasn't even like he yeah. tried to make his like, he was just <laughs> head down on the keyboard. It was, uh that was a wild way to go to sleep. Um, yes. Oh God, it's just, it makes me want to use Craigslist, like, because Nathan is just such a pro at this that, like, all of these people just exist. And I, there is now the discourse, uh, capital D, on Twitter.com about, like, is it actually good what Nathan's doing? And mm-hmm. folks, Will and I are here to tell you it's actually good. It's not that deep. I promise it's not that deep. We don't have to yes. do a 2000 word New York Magazine article on whether or not it's actually good. I promise the rehearsal is actually good and no one's going to take away my enjoyment from the rehearsal because it is unbelievable television. And I think it's my favorite thing this year.
1: I I live in a little bit of fear of it getting Rick and Morty'd, where Mm. it's like an objectively really good show is consumed by the discourse around it on Mm. Twitter.com. And hopefully that won't happen. But uh the big winner for me of this week is that every time Nathan fielder trends or the the rehearsal is on Twitter, people will post uh videos of when he did work for the Canadian show this hour has twenty two minutes hmm. and there' because he was like a an interviewer for them and he do little three minute segments and there's one where he visits a laughing coach
2: hmm.
1: who he tries to find every scenario possible to laugh, including at funerals um <laughs> there's one one where he 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 goes i forget what it is it's like it's christmas time in halifax Mm -hmm. and he talks to a baby at first asking them if they love santa and then he does the baby voice to every adult he meets saying do you love santa do you love santa and Mm -hmm. it's just like 50 adults he goes to uh and they all look extremely alarmed it's wonderful
0: um fantastic and I think this is going to be part of our uh, weekly off-season portion of the program. We both yes. uh, are watching each new episode each week. Uh, I wish it came out a little bit earlier on Fridays, so like the 11 yes. o'clock is a little bit late.
1: I have to watch it on Saturday afternoons, to be honest.
0: Do we know how many parts there are to the part two? Like, is it just a two-parter? Or...
1: Uh, I. There have been some people who have said this is most of the rest of the season. Oh. But with other rehearsal bits sprinkled in. Hmm. And then some people are disputing it, so I, I don't really know. But I know there's hmm. six episodes total. Right. And that obviously seems like it's set up for multiple, this new storyline. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. I love, and I, I don't feel like this is a spoiler because it's just a theory, but I love the theory I saw the other day where he's going to fire Angela. And yes. And it's just going to be him. Mm-hmm. I, feel like, I think that makes as much sense as
0: anything. I mean, that's a strong Nathan for you callback, it feels like a little bit there. Um where mm-hmm. he's like, I'm just the best man for the job. Um well we saw like the people found his Twitter account and then the guy's brother throwing him under the bus yes, on Twitter.com. That was just, awesome. Oh my goodness. I, I I think still the best scene from this past year or from this past episode is when Nathan's standing in the background as the roommates are having that domestic
1: dispute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my goodness and he's like well, what happened back there and he's like uh what did he say something about the demon like he he had the he, demon in him
1: by demons yeah and it was like okay well uh, all right that oh whole sequence leading up to but really peaking with him not having a license plate because quote you don't need one it's just <laughs> elite brain power i uh, i it's That's why people were online and they're like, I can't believe he's real. It's like, obviously he's real. You can't write that character. It's too too surreal to be written.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. 100%. I don't think it's fake. Anyone who's going down that, I'm like, it's just too much. Like, you cannot script stuff like this. This is not a thing.
1: Angela is not fake either. I mean, they're like, that's just like your average Hillsong church person, I feel.
0: I mean, I think she takes it a little bit stronger. I think it's a little bit even more like. I don't know if we're gonna get some tongue action. Uh, speaking oh, of tongue actions, like, well, she I'm, did probably with Robin. I don't know. I think it's in play. I don't think we can rule it out. Um, but <laughs> I, we, want, I
1: want him so. I don't think he will, but I want him to make a reappearance so bad.
0: Oh, I think he comes back. I think he's a he's a fan Ooh, favorite. We gotta, have, to we gotta Nathan have we gotta have something. Yeah, that I think he fun. has to come back. Where he's like, I messed up, and I want another chance. Like, I could see. I don't think we've seen the last of them, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope not because, look, <laughs> hey, when you crash your sky on going 100 miles per hour, um, <laughs> just incredible stuff. R- the rehearsal, HBO Max. If you want to join in the conversation uh, with us, uh, make sure you watch it and tweet at us, that's by Willard Chase, underscore double underscore Thomas, and let us know what you think because it's fantastic television. Yes. Um, what's also fantastic is Tennessee – coming out at number 19 in Kim Palm's program ratings. Um, Will, when you were going over the the new ratings that he came out with this year about where the program is over, and it, it it's not just for this one year. It's over several years. Uh, when you looked at it, did the list seem about right? Tennessee obviously rises in this regard. Did you like where Tennessee landed? Were there any uh, numbers or anything like that that stood out to you? What did you think about it?
1: I think it's basically accurate, right? Tennessee is, uh, you could within reason call them a low end top 20 program. That's not top 10. I mm. think that's a fair assessment of the, of the gig. And it, it's interesting to see it though, cause they've risen from, they were, I believe high thirties at one point, mid thirties, something like that when he first unveiled these three years ago. Mm. And so now we're looking at them where Tennessee's risen quite a bit and it lines up really with what's happened. So, uh, and, and it's been nice that they've elevated as others, notably Maryland and Indiana, have started to slide.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, something you can do in Bart Torvik's site, which is pretty similar to Ken's, uh, is take his ratings over a selected group of years. So you can like do multiple year ranges. Uh, and if you go from 2015, which is when Rick Barnes took over, Tennessee comes out as the number 17 program in college basketball over the last seven years, which feels hmm. basically accurate. Yeah. And if you narrow it down to the last five seasons, aka when the sort of rebuild really kicked in gear, Tennessee's mm-hmm. 11th. And hmm. so I think, but I think, you know, somewhere in the teens is right. Lower, like in the lower half is probably apt because, I mean, when you slice it down to five years, Tennessee comes out ahead of Kentucky, which I do not think is right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, but it's not right. So I, I think, you know, low teens is about. Accurate, and if Tennessee stays consistent, uh, they're going to continue to rise. I mean if they're top fifteen again, we're going to look at this program readings list next year and probably see Tennessee like you know fifteenth sixteenth i i I'm, I'm kind of reminded of uh when I think of Rick Barnes, I'm reminded of what somebody wrote about Trent Alexander Arnold at Liverpool uh, mm-hmm. after this last season, which is that we spend too much time focusing on what he isn't and not enough time on what he is ooh which is that, you know, people look at the flaws really deeply because they're there. I mean, March is March. Tennessee's had a couple of seasons that didn't close as they'd hoped. Mm. Obviously, this one being the most prominent. But Tennessee's had a lot of consistent regular season success. They're always just tops defensively. They've become more fun. They've gotten a lot better recruiting. And as we've said, you know, it's a process game.
2: Mm -hmm. If
1: you continue to run back the process like this over and over one, that's clearly getting you really good results for four months out of the season. Eventually you're going to get good results over a two week sample.
0: Absolutely. Um, If you had to guess who is number one next year, who would you guess?
1: In the program readings? Mm -hmm. It's going to be Duke until they have like four bad seasons in a row. That gap is just massive. So the gap from uh, number one Duke to number two Kentucky is the same as like fifth place to 15th. <laughs> mm. So it's just a huge gap. Kentucky's right there, but I mean, you know, Duke did just get done making the final four this year, which is, you know, good for them, whatever. Um,
0: <laughs> but it was also kind was, of a weirdly forgettable Duke team and a weirdly forgettable yes. final four team. We're not going to remember, like, we'll remember that North Carolina obviously ended their Coach KZ career, but like, I don't know. I just don't, they did not really leave an impact. It's it's yeah. weird because you have the number one overall pick and everything else. It just, they just kind of floated. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They never, they did not leave their mark.
1: Right. And they never really, they kind of stayed after that Gonzaga win. It was like they're on cruise control for mm-hmm. three months. And that. that's like good for the March purpose, I suppose, but I didn't really get into it for most of the season. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, uh, who's the biggest be... riser though who do you think will be over a four-year span who do you think's
0: the biggest riser next year well
1: it has to be Baylor right mm. I mean Baylor was just a you know devastated program for so long and they didn't make their first final four until 2021 that mm. if they keep getting these one and two seats over and over naturally yeah. they're going to keep rising and Arkansas is a real threat for this too I think Arkansas could keep jumping up the list. Um, Hmm. But even from initial reveal to now, like Gonzaga's jumped from 12th to 6th in two years. So I think uh, we'll see them continue to rise, obviously. You'll see like North Carolina stop the bleeding because they were initially third, and they've Hmm. fallen to fourth and almost fifth. So I think you'll see them kind of stay steady. But at the top, it'll remain solid. But you know, you could see like if Murray State can figure out this coaching transition, them maybe get a little bump in the ratings. I don't know. A lot of uh, potential movers there.
0: There you go. I like it. Um, what you don't like is Texas A&M's non-conference schedule. Uh, Will you? you tweet. <laughs> uh, I think you texted me this. Um, what did you? What tell the good folks why you uh, you may or may not have some some capital T takes on Texas A&M's <laughs> at, a, at a conference schedule.
1: So this is a team that just got left out of the NCAA tournament in part, and not entirely, but in part because their non-conference schedule ranked 308th in strength of schedule, which is uh, generally, unless you're winning every single game, not a great strategy for getting in. I mean, Texas tech did it last year, but Texas tech also went bonkers in the best conference in the sport. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, Texas, Texas A&M did not quite have that advantage, but I want to read you off the Torvik rankings of mm. each team on the schedule as of now. Yep. This is from uh, November to December. And I don't, I can't recall if they're in a Big 12 crossover or not, but mm. this is the the ones that they actually had control over scheduling. Mm. 235, 122, 196. This is a, a, a non-conference tournament thing. 77 or 139. 94. 143, 98, 275, 36, that's Memphis, 200, 281, 286. So that's a total of one projected team in the top 75 on the entire non-conference schedule. I mean, last year's was bad. They're 308th, and last year they played three top 50 teams.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So imagine what it's going to be this year if all of those rankings come out pretty close to fruition. They could be, like, in the 330s, 340s in non-con, and then you really got to be good in SEC play to overcome that. But, I I mean, I would understand this more if we were still in the RPI era. Like, of all teams, Mm -hmm. actually, Texas Tech used to do this under Tubby Smith, where they would schedule, like, teams that would win 14 games in the SWAC or MIAC or the lower conferences, Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: the RPI would give you a big boost if you played teams that got a lot of wins. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like Ken Palm or anything where it was like the actual quality of the team. It's just like how many teams in that, how many games did that team win? Mm -hmm. Texas A&M is using what I think is kind of an outdated schedule strategy or just one that's a little more hopeful than it should be. Mm -hmm. Like I understand not wanting to lose non-conference games when you can make it up in what's going to be a really good SEC. But at the same time, you have got to schedule more than one clear-cut quality game and mm. the number 77 is going to be in a non-conference tournament where it's like you may or may not play them like you could end up playing UMass instead hmm. so I, I don't understand quite a, what it is Buzz is doing and it's a little bit of a disappointment because I thought that they would you know schedule up a little bit given that this team is going to be their best in a while but I don't know we're we'll be left to see what happens but Uh, I was quite disappointed to see this when, I mean, not to use Tennessee as the example every time, but Tennessee is consistently scheduling really interesting non-conference games or Kentucky or Alabama. I mean,
0: mean, it's also just, I think, a recruiting tool. I think it's another, it's like you want those kids in the building. Like Tennessee obviously brought in big names for the Arizona game. Um, Mm -hmm. You want to show off your program and where you're going in a big game atmosphere where ESPN or whoever is there. And, you know, you can have like it's just a big time crowd atmosphere that they're really into it and stuff like that. Like that's just you can't be scared of those kind of games. You have to book them. And like you said, like you can make that up in SEC play. Like even if you stumble a little bit and out of conference, if you're strong in a strong conference and you bounce back, then you'll be fine. Like it's just you can't schedule scared like that anymore.
1: Well, also, it's like uh, I understand some of the scheduling aspects like Prairie View A&M could very well win the SWAC Because they're always a pretty solid contender. But, like, considering that we don't judge based on wins anymore, we have the net to judge Mm. like objective quality. Why wouldn't you schedule like North Texas or Mm. Sam Houston State or even Texas State, who could have won the Sun Belt last year? Like, schedule teams that we know are going to be better than the ones that are on your schedule. I understand they're tougher tests and you have a greater chance of losing, but if you win, the rewards are much greater. And if you lose to North Texas, it doesn't matter as much. It might matter because you lost an in-state school and people care about that. But objectively on a resume, nobody's going to blink twice. That would be like a home loss to say, you know, last year's, uh, I mean, that would be like a home loss to like Florida last year. Nobody would have been that upset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, well, um, When we look at Justin Edwards, he does not pick the Tennessee Volunteers. It seems like that's where it was headed for weeks. And a lot of folks were pretty certain that he was going to end up um, in Lexington. I don't think it's a big loss for Rick Barnes. I think uh, they took a big swing, obviously. they. I just think it's one of those things where Tennessee is in a good spot with a lot with where they're at in their recruiting. Gainey's still. Is just a great asset to have um, in a multitude of levels, especially like in North Carolina and other areas around around the Southeast. Um, The recruiting, obviously, like you cannot get uh, a five star, top five guy year over year. Generally speaking, like Kentucky is just Kentucky. If you lose, like if they lost to Arkansas for Justin Edwards, I think that would have stung. Like that would have been really like "Mm, we shouldn't have that shouldn't have happened. Or even Florida now part of me like it does suck because it seems like tennessee did the better job recruiting him and did it better for a longer period of time didn't really come down to that and i don't know it's just always good hard to like even though rick barnes has great history against coach cal and this program don't really care about that sort of thing and it's just getting guys to the league, it speaks for themselves. Like he, he can do that. Like he, that is still going to be the Trump card uh, until Keon pops or in pops or Kennedy pops in Memphis, or like, it's one thing to get these guys to the league. That's why you're getting a five star or two every year. But if you want the, unless they live in the state already and like grew up in Tennessee and, or Memphis guys or Knoxville, Nashville, whatever, like, you're just going to have to have some lottery guys. You're going to have to have um, a stronger track record on that front. And it's just baby steps, man. Like look where we are as a program. Like it's really good, but losing to Kentucky, Duke, some of the big dogs in recruiting, I just Gonzaga, whatever. I just, I be all that upset. What do you think?
1: No, I mean, he's going to lose in the round of 64 anyway, to St. Peter's. So what's it to me? Oh. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, it's hard to really get upset about these. Tennessee has lost recruiting battles to Kentucky for most of my life, <laughs> uh, except on, like, guys Kentucky just whiffed on, like Chris Lofton.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, I mean, I'm not, like, shocked by this. It's a bummer, but the uh, what's interesting about him is that, you know, we see these numbers of him being, like, this highly rated recruit, and obviously you want him, but the scattering report from on three on him is really interesting, where... Mm-hmm. The hint is like he could be the best defensive player in his class on opening night, which would have been an awesome asset to have.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: it sounds like he's got a long way to go in offense. His uh, his best attribute, best attributes, are off ball cutting and catch and shoot attempts. Uh, neither of which is like something you do yourself. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't scream five star recruit offensively off the page. But the thing you are looking for is the potential, though, and he's got loads of it. But this is an interesting one because when I read that report. What I instantly think is guy who is going to be a lot better in the NBA than he is in college. Hmm. So where it's just like college basketball doesn't really one hundred percent make sense for your skill set, but once you get into the NBA and you have like a team that can really design their rebuild around you or fit you into the right spot, you really blossom. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that could be more up for him than the college level. I, I won't be surprised if he I mean, he's got like SEC defensive player of the year potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is scary. But uh, offensively, it sounds like he, he's just got a, a lot of big steps to take. So uh, I'm curious to see what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of a Tennessee versus Kentucky recruiting battle, if anything, it probably confirms Kentucky just has deeper NIL pockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kentucky is obviously the bigger program, so I'm not surprised when Tennessee loses that battle. But given where it ended up heading, mm-hmm. uh, Kentucky probably just has – a group of people more willing to commit more money, which is totally fine. I mean, if your program's ready to do that, go for it. Mm. So and I and I feel like that's kind of where they've been able to start winning these big time battles again. Whereas pre-NIL, that, you know, at the end of that nine and sixteen year, Kentucky was really struggling to get like the high end lottery recruits again. And I know like their highest one this year didn't even play a second of basketball for them, but uh, I feel like now that NIL is back, you can sell the program and you can sell that. Oh, and you're going to get paid a lot if you go here. So yeah. it's kind of like giving the powers more power in a way mm-hmm. while also giving everybody else a chance. I don't know how to feel about it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I'm not sweating it all that much, so we'll see. Um, what is interesting is, this is like kind of what I was just talking about with Edwards, where it's like, Omaha, do we know how to pronounce his last name?
1: uh omaha billy you omaha Bilys. i don't i haven't
0: heard it out loud yet so i'm gonna say billy you uh, i think Bilyu? they
1: should call him omaha bill because it makes him sound like a western character
0: okay omaha bill it is um he commits to iowa state he's a top 10 recruit but he's an iowa kid like that's just yep. part of it it's just like that's what you need so if you're gonna get in that like you need some kind of luck there uh, a little bit of your barns um, on that front. And it might happen in Memphis or Nashville. Uh, I have my doubts about Knoxville. Uh, paying yeah. out. Given uh,
1: basically yeah. all of history.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but good players. We've had good players come out of here. And B.J. Edwards, he should be a really good player for... Uh, UT this uh upcoming year and for the next couple of years. But it's there's a difference. There's a different tier there. Um yeah. and there's the ceiling. Like I just no no offense to the Farragut Admirals. Uh putting a lot of baseball players uh at UT and in the draft but uh, in terms of basketball talent. We just have not not really seen it like you said in our lifetime. Um but it's a big get for Iowa State who I mean it it's making what difference a year makes, right? Like this program was in and two last year and they've completely flipped it. They're a tournament team. They go deep tournament. The folks obviously did not have. They were the surprise team of the Big 12 last year and I think they did the ship where things were really because it was so weird names where no one was against the hire at the time of the last coaching films no like what are they doing it just did not go well. And it was changed gears. and it's fine um portal uh like we'll see what happens losing uh i mean iowa state they it's a big gift for them i think anything else to say other than like they're in a really good spot and it's kind of wild to think about where they were um a year and a half ago versus now
1: Yeah, it's got to be really nice for a uh, top 15 recruit uh, in any given class to grow up under an hour from your campus. I truly do not know what that is like, so that's got to be really cool. Uh, Knoxville parents, please encourage your children to play basketball. Um, Um, But uh, he feels very Iowa when you read the scouting report, mm. very thick, uh, very physical, Mm. uh, and apparently will bully most underclassmen he goes up against. I'm mm-hmm. uh, not the court, afraid of a not field. In classrooms. We do not. We are not happy with bullying, but on mm. the court, we love it. Uh, anyway, uh, the problem is that so supposedly at least in terms of like true skill, not just like I can overpower you, you know, mm. the sort of Kofi Coburn way. Um, mm. he doesn't really have a ton to offer offensively yet. Like his shot is still coming around his touch in general, is still coming around, but he's a big, huge guy. Uh, who is really good defensively, kind of you know, not a surprise. Somebody who's hard to move around is generally going to have a really high floor on D. But um, I don't know. If you could sort of grow an Iowa State player in a lab and have him be a five-star recruit that sort of feels like it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, at least in terms of the image they're building now, uh, I think it's a good gift for them. And, you know, it's always nice when recruits get to go to non-traditional places where they're going into a good situation. This isn't something like, you know, Patrick Baldwin going to Milwaukee where his dad coaches. This is like Omaha bill goes to a school that's, you know, on the up and up has a plan and we'll be able to create something really cool around him.
0: Yeah. We'll see. I, are they a tournament team again for you next year? Are they pretty much a lock for you?
1: Not a lock. I think that it's going to be more or less the same thing where they were a ten or eleven seed, but they'll be they'll be frisky yet again. I mean, I need their offense to be about seventy five percent more watchable than it was last year because it was a disgusting affair. Uh, to quote Joe Buck, a disgusting act, um, as everybody not named Tyrese Hunter was fake mm-hmm. mooning the camera. Um, so, but the defense is going to be stout yet again. I'm not going to be shocked by that. Uh, but yeah i think like 10 11 seed they'll be sort of right in that same range uh it'll be kind of hard frankly for them to top act one but act two should be interesting in a very new and fun way
0: i like it i like it uh who is our Kim pom uh season review this week it is north carolina Oh, I've heard about it. Have you heard about them? Have you seen about, have you heard about this? Uh, yeah. Uh, they went to the national title last year. This upstart group, uh, the Tar Heels, I believe is what they're called.
1: Yes. New, new team that nobody has heard of in college sports. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're, it, it's an interesting team to assess because at the start of the tournament, Perkins mm. rankings, they had a 0.4% chance of making the title game. Mm -hmm. Uh, success for them would have been like making, I mean, and really at the time, I think everybody viewed it as this, if they made the sweet 16, the entire season was a success because Mm. for a large, large portion of the season, they were garbage on defense. I mean, Mm -hmm. prior to Tennessee getting out of the mud, Tennessee scored 89 on them and it did not look like it was difficult at all. That was the type of defense they had. Uh, And they seemed to right the ship a bit towards the back end of the year uh but it really kind of started to flip you know in january they lost by 22 in the road to wake for us they were 12 and 6 4 and 3 in the acc and then the rest of the way including the NCAA tournament they went 17 and 4 mm-hmm. they got a lot better at hunting their shots on offense they completely owned the defensive boards number two nationally in defensive rebounding percentage never fouled mm-hmm. and for better or for worse, they really locked in on having a five with an occasional six, mm-hmm. and they rode that starting five for all it was worth. Uh, I mean, you think back to that national title game against Kansas, where you know six guys uh, played 198 of the possible 200 minutes. Mm-hmm. Justin McCoy made like a spot cameo, but you had like Puff Johnson out there literally puking on the floor. And then just still playing. Mm-hmm. You had Armando Baycott's knee uh, getting shredded and then just still playing. You had guys mm-hmm. who were taking like concussion level hits and still playing. They were like, it was strange for to call them an underdog because it's North Carolina, but you just could not kill them no matter what you did. I mean, they could have been down and out so many times, blowing the 25 point lead to Baylor, which everybody mm-hmm. seems to have forgotten about. They trailed to UCLA with two minutes left. They trailed for a significant amount of the game against Duke. And then they Mm. blew the 15-point lead to Kansas. uh, And it looked like they were dead in the water with 10 minutes left. And then just never went away. Could Mm -hmm. have sent it to overtime with one made three. I mean, they were such a fascinating team. And this is why, you know, I kind of joked about it after the, the tournament ended, but hubert davis really should have considered retirement because it's like how do you top that act Mm -hmm. how do you top going in as an eight seed getting literally within one made shot of the national title Mm -hmm. ending your rival's career twice really ending it at home and Mm -hmm. then ending it in the the final four uh it's i don't understand how they can possibly i know like yes they could win the title, but on just a basic level, how do you top all of that in the second act? It just seems like, and I understand, like, we're sort of hyping them up to be this team. I I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, everybody's poll more or less is like Gonzaga 1, North Carolina 2. Or they, or flipped, North Carolina 1, Gonzaga 2. And I get that. I understand Mm -hmm. the hype and potential there. But North Carolina enter the NCAA tournament 30th in Ken Palm and I feel like we just did this exact thing with UCLA last year where UCLA was like fine good probably underrated heading into the tournament and then they just got hot at the right time and everybody was like oh yeah UCLA number two in the nation entering the next season Mm. and then UCLA was a four seed who lost in the sweet 16 and never really looked like a top five team at any point. Have we, are we kind of at that point with UNC? Do you feel where it's like the yes, they're going to be good, but do is there this potential of overhype where it's going to just be nigh impossible to top that first act?
0: I think it just depends on how what lens you view success through, where it's like with the continuity and what they're bringing back. I think a sweet 16 at bare minimum should be expected, but then we know how it goes. Like once you're in that. Like, we'll see. Like, it's just going to be really hard to run the gauntlet all over. But if they're a Sweet 16 team, they're they're last year they were, I think, 18 and 35th in adjusted offense and adjusted defense. Like, if you're a little bit more consistent um, if you build up that continuity and you use that to your advantage where with the portal and everything else, like, they have an advantage that a lot of programs around the country would kill to have. Um, I think their defense should be better. I think we look at that. I'm curious if the tempo is still as fast as they played last year, which is kind of interesting because a lot of teams, like when you have a Baycott and like their legs just kind of going out from under them, especially in that championship game, I wonder if they prioritize a slower style next year um, Mm -hmm. to kind of save themselves. But I, I think it just really comes down to what you look at as success is like, do you expect championship or bust? Then yeah, that's probably going to be underwhelming because it's just really, really hard to win a national title. But (laughs) if you're a con- like if you're an older team with a lot of continuity and a good head coach and a good rotation then gg or no gg like this should be a sweet 16 team at the very least and i think that's the goal is to get there you win your fr- you w- get out of opening weekend and then just see what happens the rest of the way and i think that's kind of i mean tennessee fans have been dying for that for years like that's all you want to do is get out of opening weekend And then we'll see what happens. Like, then it's just all fool's money, fool's gold. And I, I think that's what you should look at it if you are a North Carolina fan. Anything less is not is like, man, that's a bummer. We should not have lost in round of thirty two or sixty four. Like that should not have happened. Um, That's like a Kentucky type deal for me.
1: And and honestly, UCLA wouldn't be a terrible comp just Mm. because, like, at least in terms of results, like UCLA still finished eleventh in Ken Palm this past year. They were really good. It just wasn't as magical. Yeah, they just didn't get the Final Four again, and that's Mm -hmm. okay. I mean, like, if North Carolina – I mean, honestly, if North Carolina is just a top-10 team for most of the year and with potential to be top-five, that's a really good follow-up act and better than pretty much any UNC fan would have guessed, you Mm -hmm. know, in January.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, You have an article. I think we end on this. Um, Mr. Will Warren, you have a new piece that you wrote on the 60-point – score uh what can you tell us about it
1: uh so i don't know if people know this you know have you heard about this or whatnot mm-hmm. um there has not been and i it honestly surprised me every time i think about this given where basketball is headed mm-hmm. nobody has scored 60 points in a division one men's basketball game in 13 and a half years mm-hmm. the last time was january 2009 it was ryan tulson at utah valley mm-hmm. and so Given where we've headed sort of as a basketball culture where we've shifted towards offensive friendly, like when I looked at this for the article, NBA scoring has jumped 11% in the last 13 years, college basketball lower, but still 3% more than 13 years ago. But nobody's even really come close. I mean, the highest scoring affair since 2009 was a 55 point game that required three overtimes, but, mm. uh, and so I was just curious, you know, I wanted to find out, you know, why doesn't this happen anymore when people shoot better than ever, guards are more mm-hmm. athletic than ever, and frankly, games are closer than ever, and there's more scoring. And I talked to Ryan Tulson, the last guy to score 60. It took him four overtimes, and he played all 60 minutes. But, you know, he had some interesting insight into it where he says, You know, one, he did not know he is the last guy to score 60. I was the first person to tell him that, which is hilarious. I would go around telling everybody that. If my Mm -hmm. name was on Wikipedia as the most recent person to do it, everybody would hear about that every day. Hmm. But um, he thinks it's going to happen. It's probably going to require some overtime work to get there, though. When I looked at uh, people who have scored 52-plus points in the last Mm -hmm. 13 years, the average amount of on-court time was 45 minutes. So you're looking at, at minimum, one overtime and really more like two to have a reasonable shot. But uh, on the right night, it can happen. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this because I haven't seen anybody else write it, and I want there to be something for when it does eventually happen, whether it's now, whether it's in five years. We've got something to look back on. So – there's a few decent candidates sort of led by Darius McGee at Liberty, a little mm-hmm. five foot nine guy who can shoot the lights out. Antoine Davis at Detroit, who is the only good player in that team. Uh, and some other interesting pieces like Max Acemas at Oral Roberts is back. Jelly Walker mm-hmm. at UAB has a chance. Uh, my Our favorite guy, name Kennedy on the list. Getting
0: an extension. Shout out to him.
1: Yeah. My favorite name on the list, Jordan Dingle from Penn. <laughs> uh, just an elite name, that's Mm -hmm. the guy who I want to get it. Because how good would it be if Jordan Dingle wrote himself into history for something other than his name? True. But, uh, I mean, I've lived long enough to see, like, you know, and Ryan Tolson mentioned this, the Jody Meeks 54-point game against Tennessee. If that game had been closer, I mean, Meeks dropped 54 in regulation. Mm -hmm. If that game even goes into one overtime, he probably gets 60-plus. Mm -hmm. and so it's just like it's got to be the right night and the right circumstances but i do hope it happens because it'll be really cool when it happens i was just puzzled to see like you know it's been 13 plus years since it happened and there had never been a gap of longer than eight years before
0: Hmm. so okay do you think it happened this year
1: no no because I want to be wrong. Because I feel like whenever I make big predictions, they don't mm. go well. And so I'm going to say no in the hopes that this is a reverse jinx. I want okay. it to happen so bad. Because it'll just be a cool experience for everybody.
0: Well, it'll definitely be a game that no one's watching. That's
1: Yeah, it, it will be. And that was the fun thing when I looked for this piece. Because mm. I've got the Synergy Sports subscription. Uh so it happened twice that season. Tolson did it, and then Ben Woodside of North Dakota State. Yeah. That's a name that like only their fans or Kansas fans would know because he tortured mm-hmm. Kansas in the tournament.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Co- p- combined between those two teams, they had five games televised, whether on TV or on streaming services. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty about if it. it happens now. It will be on ESPN+. Mm-hmm. Or like Stadium or God knows whatever. Like Peacock Plus Minus Minus, whatever they're called now. That sounded very boomer. I apologize. (laughs) But it will be like you'll see video of it. There's no video of those games, which is a real bummer. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, well, that's all I've got. Is there anything else? I got one
1: more thing to promote. I like it. One Knoxville SC boys who made the quarterfinals of Mm -hmm. the USL two shout out to them first Mm -hmm. season in club history and you make the final eight, they get to host the quarterfinal and semifinal rounds at Austin East this weekend. If they can get to Sunday, I feel like they're going to do it. And if you're walking
0: around downtown Knox or North Knox, West Knox, like you can feel it in the Mm -hmm. air. Like it's pretty electric uh, around Knoxville right now. It's Uh, cool.
1: Like people seem to actually care, which is nice. I was worried that they wouldn't. And like, when you look at attendances for some of the USL clubs that are in like the low to three hundreds a match, mm-hmm. like the fact that one Knox is drawing two to 25, 2000 to 2,500 people is pretty cool.
0: So here's the problem uh, my Atlanta Silverbacks um, blood runs pretty deep. Um, that is something I've been to uh, for my dad's mm-hmm. birthday a uh, decade ago when they played by Spaghetti Junction uh, for my real AT oh. Aliens. We know about that. Um, so it's, it's just asking a lot for me to sacrifice um, the amount of investment emotionally that I've put into the Atlanta Silverbacks over the years. Um, founded in 1994. People forget. Um, <laughs> but an all-time great nickname. Atlanta Silverbacks. Great logo. Um, uh, shout out to the Atlanta Zoo. But yeah, I don't know. I'm still like weighing my options there because I want to run it by the silhouette contingent back home and then see what <laughs> they won Knoxville and uh, if it's okay to to move on because uh, they're gone. They're 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 not even a thing anymore. They dissolved in 2015. So I think I was there. Um, I want to say <sighs> I had to have been there that last year with my dad um if i had to guess he's gonna listen to this and text me and let me know which uh what it was but i'm pretty certain we were there the last year of the year before but yeah it was in a really cool secluded spot but i will say the one knoxville vibes and attendance and energy is a little bit higher than what it was for the silverbacks
1: yes pretty pretty good crowd good experience they have their own little chance that i'm trying to learn
2: mm-hmm. can um, you do
1: one there's one to Tears for Fear's Shout, because the keeper's named Troutman, Okay. his last name is. And so it's mm-hmm. Trout, Trout, keep the ball out. You're It's like you're the thing we're talking about, come on, we're talking to you, come on, that thing. Great song. Yeah. Uh, Do you partake? Fear, yeah. uh, I try to, I don't know all the chants yet is the problem, because they kind of come up with new ones each game. But there's some like basic, every, like everybody does like uh, their version of when the Saints go marching in. And mm-hmm. there's like when one Box goes marching in. Like Nashville does it. Atlanta, I think, does it. So mm-hmm. everybody's got their own version of that. But they got like some cool little player specific ones too.
0: I'm just not cool. I've never done that. I've never been a, like, just go along and yell. I don't make noise at games. It's not really my, uh, my deal. I'm not a yeller.
1: I, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, guy who's just like oh or yeah no i don't like really do chants but like i don't sing along to fight songs really i pace like hmm. uh, i'll pace if i need to get up and walk
0: around or i'll just get like jittery <laughs> in my seat where i'll just like mm. like i'll i make these face i'm like i think without trying to be and my family does this where it's like i make a lot of Jalbert faces and I, it's probably not good uh... for my like in, and that's probably in life though that they can do it where i make a lot of like. And then I'll be like, and I'm sure it's a lot more egregious uh, in my day to day um, Mm -hmm. and probably not, not the best is I don't really have a strong poker face is what they're saying. It's pretty easy to see if I'm in on something or out on something. And I think when I'm watching a Tennessee game or anything else, I'm just like, I, I'm definitely standing and I'm just,
1: there's a lot of, there's a lot of, Hmm. there, I, I, not audible. There's
0: no audible stuff.
1: I've calmed down over the years. He used to be a big "come on" guy, <laughs> but that's lowered. I don't really.
0: I like want to see this. I could not imagine you being a "come on" guy.
1: No, that I. There's a real stereotype to that, and I've tried my hardest yeah. to distance.
0: I just I'm, I'm I'm a never get involved person, and I'm a don't cause a scenes person. Like I mm. have always had a big thing about making causing a stir in public where you never want to be main character in a public issue. Like, that's just never <laughs> what you want to do, and that's just my uh, ethos. Like, I was at a Oak Ridge-Clinton game uh last year, and I remember there was this touchdown club guy. I don't think he even had a kid on the team, but he was really, really aggressive and, like, was yelling a lot uh in front of my buddy Ethan uh, and I as we were watching the game. And this man yelling at 16-, 17-year-olds, he's like, you guys suck and just yelling and (laughs) I just I I just I'm like that's not me I just I could never wrap my head around getting to that point as a human being that Mm. you can just yell at a bunch of kids that they suck and whatever I just I it
1: just blows my mind not for me I do prefer the quieter state especially at home where it's like nobody's really there you're like nobody's yelling with you
2: yeah but
1: the thing,
0: too, is like you want to push it like I want them all to do it. It's way more fun in and when it's rocking and stuff. So I'm like, thank you all for doing the thing that I don't want to do so that I I can enjoy it and not yeah. partake.
1: Now, I, I do. There's a little ref abuse from me mm. that will go okay. on like basketball games. Yeah. Like mostly, in the game? Mostly whenever.
0: I, I'm saying when you're at the game, when you're at, yeah, when I'm at the game,
1: not, not from home. At okay. home, it's just like, well, you're just yelling into the void at one point. But <laughs> When everybody else is console. yelling at Pat Adams, yeah, I want to join in.
0: Mm-hmm. So interesting. Um,
1: yeah, I think I don't think I but, but like player player specific, mm. uh, you know, complaints or whatnot that are vo- vocalized. Not a fan of. Mm. So it's I will about say the, the one. Team. It's not about the player.
0: I think the one thing I did in this past year, there was some Georgia fans pretty close to me at the Georgia Tennessee game, and I was cold. I was that game. I don't know if people remember just how cold that game got. Like it was horrific. Um, how cold it got, and I was. I thought I was pretty bundled, and I was not bundled (laughs) enough. Like I was. I thought I was going to die of frostbite, and I remember, uh, like this group, and they were just really cocky early on and when Tennessee scored and I, I bet them I was like I guarantee we're winning at the end of the first quarter and they're like no no one's scoring. us I'm like okay well here's the deal like we're going to be winning at the first quarter now the rest of the game probably not but we're going to win I may or may not have been like some Kirk cousins you like that like I just <laughs> uh, when the first quarter ended there may have been some me chirping at Georgia fans uh, over um, the early results and look hmm. banner saying forever we scored 17 on Georgia last year it's, uh, it's there, a big deal people forget
1: that did happen nobody yeah. thinks about quarters two through four that those are I, fake quarter those are a false concept um created by the sasquatch liaisons
0: there you go speaking of sasquatch there's a, a boy scout camp thing happening all week on campus like i had to go to campus this afternoon and i'm walking through it and it's just a lot of stuff going on it brought back some bad memories i'm an eagle scout <laughs> and i was just like getting ptsd as i'm walking through uh hodges and everything it was just uh it was not my jam so if you're a student watch out for that this week because there are campers everywhere
1: that sounds terrible <laughs> over there Chil- children are not much my thing in general so <laughs> yeah
0: there you go stats by will go check out this new article on statsbywill.com uh follow him on twitter if you're not already stats by will um I- well happy birthday cedric as he cedric cedric he can't hear me oh he's passed out look at him he's just passed out um his
1: his cheek is smushed into the uh little carrier thing here there
0: you go uh khaleesi just woke up at mike channing so she's awake um (laughs) for the dog and cat people and will warren thank you as always my friend and i will talk to you next week Thank you. All right, y'all, that'll do it for part two here on the Friday, July 29th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you, as always, to Mr. Stats by Will for coming on this edition of the program. If you enjoyed uh, Will and I talk all things college basketball, please, please, please make sure that you leave this episode a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that is indeed how you listen to today's program if you're not already subscribe 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 on your preferred podcast player check us out on youtube youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast full episodes all kinds of good video content over there if you want to watch it uh we're on youtube so check that out chase thomas podcast.com uh email me at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com part three coming up as we wrap up here on a friday corbin ford to talk all things nba oh yeah After this, Uncle Derek, how'd I do?
2: Nicely done,
0: nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah.